This is the Clink Law Podcast, providing clarity to the many gray areas surrounding estate planning so you feel empowered to take action. Now here's your host, Peter Clink. Hey everybody, let's talk about how to fund a revocable trust. This is something that comes up quite often with clients because people have heard about revocable trust and they say, oh, I'm going to avoid probate and I like the idea of that. But the the execution, the using of the revocable trust is often overlooked. And this is very important because you can spend a lot of money setting up a revocable trust, but if it's not funded, you haven't done a thing. All right. So... Let's talk about some basics in the introduction. If you've heard my, my other podcasts on this subject, you have a good idea of what a revocable trust is. But for those of you who are listening for the first time, uh, let's do a quick rundown. So a revocable trust is a trust that's revocable. It doesn't help you with taxes. It doesn't help you with uh, avoiding a divorce uh, or creditors. It helps with avoiding the government, right? Avoiding filing a will when you die, making things a little bit faster and quicker. That's the prime purpose of the Vrocal Trust. If you've listened to my other podcasts, you've, you've heard that there's other uses of them, uh, specialized uses in unique situations, but that's the, the principal use, avoiding probate. Uh, so you form the trust by having a grantor, that would be you, and you grant the power to a trustee, also you, who is going to hold an asset for the beneficiary, who in a revocable trust situation is also you. You're all three jobs. You're granting the power, you're creating the trust, you're handing assets to the trustee to hold, and you're the one holding them, and you're the beneficiary who benefits from the whole arrangement. It's a real entity. It exists. It can own things. It can own real estate, bank accounts, gold bullion, chickens. It can own anything. Uh, But it's revocable. You can always take it back, right? You can always modify it and change it over time. Now, how do you fund this? Let's say you've formed your revocable trust. You've It exists. It's sitting there. By signing it, that's nice. Now, here's a little, little segue. A lot of times people see on the list in the back and it says list the assets in the revocable trust. Now, I think these are a little bit of a trap because a lot of folks say, oh, I'm going to list my house. I'll just put it down there. Now my house is in the trust. That's not true. Sometimes people write down, oh, my bank accounts. That means they're in the trust. That's not true. Just writing something on the back or a piece of paper doesn't mean that it's owned by the trust. You actually have to go through a process to get it in the trust. Now, let's think about your house. Now, very, very typical thing to put into revocable trust, right? Your house. Very basic. But how do you know who owns a house? Well, you look at the deed to the house. And again, I'm a little segue here. A lot of folks say, well, the mortgage, I have a mortgage, the bank owns it. That's not true, guys. That's not true. You own your house. Your name's on the deed. The bank may have a lien on the property, right? They, they might have lent you money and they're securing it by putting a lien on it. But the, the deed is still in your name. You own it subject to the mortgage. So the bank's name is not on the deed. It's your name. So if you look at the deed, it'll say it's owned by you, maybe you and your spouse, Right? That's the owner of the house. Just writing on the back of another piece of paper that the deed is now owned by the trust is meaningless. The process is that you have to have a new deed written 
that says, hey, I'm moving all my rights in this property into the revocable trust, and the new owner is the trust whose trustee is, well, you. That deed must be done just like the deed you did when you bought it. It, It's got to have all the the language of the ownership of the property. It's got to identify the prior deed. That's how these deeds work. They go from one to the other, and they all link. That deed then needs to be filed with the county and registered by the Register of Deeds so that it's public knowledge that now the property is owned by the trust. Then it's in the trust. Now, if you want to write it in that sheet of paper at the end of your revocable trust, after that, good for you. But you don't need to, right? That That's just a handy-dandy sheet that sometimes attorneys put at the back for you to keep a tally of what you put in. But you can see where it's confusing to some people, right? I, I usually don't put it on there just for that reason. I, I don't want people to be confused. Uh, if the if somebody comes to me and says their deed is in uh, in the trust, I'll check the deed, make sure it was done right. Now, here it is. So, so if you've done your revocable trust and you do it with us, typically then separately, we'll say, do you want us to do the deed? And if you say, yeah, let's do that, we get an, get your deed. We draft the new deed. So when you sign the revocable trust and you bring it into to life, then you also sign the deed, and then we file the deed with the county, and now your house is in. Now, remember, if, if you're a person who has a couple houses, some rental properties, that means that all of those properties, a deed needs to be filed to move them into the trust. Because if any one of them is not moved in, if you own it when you die— well, then it's not owned by the trust. We still have to file the will in order to get control over that property. So it's important that you are very honest with your attorney. You tell them all your properties, how they're owned. Uh, because again, if it's an LLC, I'm not going to go talk about that here. That's that's a lot of detail. Then the LLC needs to be moved in, right? Not the deed. It's a different thing. But all your deeds, the properties get moved in. And that way, when you pass, the new trustee shows up with a death certificate and say, hey, you know, you passed and I'm the new trustee. And what's in there, well, now the deeds are in there, and they have immediate control over them. That's how that works, right? All right. A couple other things. I'm just going to go through some of the basics. But now you can start thinking, what do I own, and what should I put in the trust so I don't have to do probate? And these are the things that you have to bring up when you come in to talk about your revocable trust to make sure that the attorney knows, and they can make sure that you know, either they're going to help you or that they can tell you who, who needs to help you move things in. So the second thing let's talk about are your bank accounts and your stock accounts, your investment accounts, right? Now, I'm not talking about IRAs here, folks. People get these things confused. Do not confuse your IRA in this. IRAs do not go into revocable trusts while you're alive. You're just not. Just trust me on that. If you hire us and you come on in, I'll walk you through that in detail, but they do not. That's a contract you have with the government. Don't be messing up that contract. Now, your other accounts, though, bank accounts, investment accounts, stock accounts, uh, they can move in, but they don't have to, right? This is where your personal uh, decisions and how you like to do things come into play. There's not just one way to do this. So remember, for you to avoid probate, all the assets have to pass at your death without the need of filing the will. Well, if you're using the revocable trust and you have an investment account, that means you can go to the the company. You can say, I want to open a new account in the name of the trust. 
And typically they'll say, well, let us see a copy of it, make sure it exists. It's authorized to own these types of accounts. They'll look it over and they'll say, fine. And they'll say, you're the trustee. You open up a new account and then you just move the assets from the account in your name into the account that's owned by the trust. Usually pretty simple. A lot of times you don't have the attorney do that. You do that with your broker, your financial advisor. They're really good about that. They can help you with that and they don't bill you. So, you know, you do. Now, sometimes we do get involved if things are you know, a little more difficult or, um, you know, different situations, but usually your broker does that for you. Uh, so the other way to handle it, though, is for you to go to the bank and to name your trust as the beneficiary of the account when you die, like, a, for example, transfer on death. Now, how does that work? Well, remember, it says at your death, it pulls into the trust. So if you die, your successor trustee can now go to the bank and show your death certificate. The bank will say, well, we're really sorry to hear that you passed. And they'll say, yep, let's look that up. The beneficiary is the revocable trust. And then the trustee says, yep, here's a copy. As you see, I'm now the trustee. And they say, here's your check. Simple. So which is best? There's not a best. It's a personality. A lot of people just feel better having moved their accounts in while they're uh, they're still alive, so it's all done. They just feel like it's just easier for everybody and they sleep better knowing that it's done. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, other people are, are well, I'm avoiding probate already. I, I don't care, especially if it's my kid, to do a little extra work. You go collect that check when I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, I, it's mana from heaven, kid. You know, do a little work. It, it's fine either way or any combination of the above. The idea is you just want it to flow after you pass. Now, another thing, life insurance. Okay, life insurance. So if your revocable trust sets up an irrevocable trust for your children after you die to protect them from divorce and lawsuits, very common, very common. We almost always do it that way. Well, how do you get your life insurance in those protective trusts so your sneaky daughter-in-law can't get their hands on them, right? Um, Well, again, life insurance has beneficiary designations. So you usually don't move the policy in. It's not, you, you could, but it's just not necessary. You just go to your life insurance folks and you say, hey, when I die, the beneficiary is the revocable trust. So same deal. You pass your your backup beneficiary or trustee, sorry, whoever you're naming, probably like your kid, for example, goes to the life insurance company and says, hey, mom passed. Here's the death certificate. And they say, sorry to hear that. Let's look up the beneficiary. It says revocable trust. And they say, yep, I'm the trustee. As you can see here, my mom was the trustee. She's passed. I'm successor trustee. And they say, here's your check. Simple as that. Really? Now it's in the trust and it can uh, then be divided up into the, the irrevocable trust for your kids where it's nice and safe, where they can spend it, but they don't lose it in the divorce, right? So that's very nice. Uh, now, I emphasized before, not qualified plans, no IRAs, 401ks, 403bs. There's nothing illegal about sending them into the trust after you die, naming as beneficiary, but there can be big tax consequences that come from that. Uh, So you'd really, really, really want to check with your financial advisor, your accountant, and say, hey, what are the options here? Does this make sense for me? And and it might. Uh, Doing the the thing that, that reduces the tax to a minimum isn't always the best thing for you. Right, But if as long as you understand all the ramifications it goes through, then you can decide whether you want to use the revocable trust or, or not. Uh, it's just that most often you're not going to. You're going to name the people directly. 
So there you go. This is just a little bit of information about again, how to fund the revocable trust and, and to use it. You can see where it's an essential step. It's like, and I'll give you an example. I, just recently, we had somebody come to us and the mother had formed a revocable trust. It had all the right terms in it, but she'd never moved in the house. She didn't move in the Jersey Shore home. She hadn't moved in her bank accounts, nor had she named it as, as beneficiary. So all the money she spent to set up the revocable trust was essentially wasted. We had to go file the will and gather the assets and do everything. So all, all the things she was hoping to avoid uh, just were not. So, you know, make sure everything's done. Make sure you checked all your boxes and you got it set up. And that's it. Um, so, again, great talking to you as it always is. Uh, if you have any uh, subject that you'd like me to talk about, please feel free to send them in. Uh, remember to, you know, follow me if you can. I, we're always trying to give uh, uh, friendly advice to folks so that you can read it and get some tantalizing ideas. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Clink Law Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and share.